0: This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. A video of the talk is also available, along with more downloads, at our website ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. Thank all, thank you all for coming. So, fight the good fight, what a wonderful hymn that is if we uh, press some buttons on our internet we come up with uh, the story behind Fight the Good Fight it's a traditional classic favourite hymn uh, a Christian song it was written by the Reverend John Samuel Bewley Monsell published in the Hymns of Love and Praise for the Church's Year 1863 you all remember that, no? <laughs> it's sung to the tune Pentecost. Well, there we go, and there uh, we've got that wrong because uh, we've we've got two two tunes. So we've sung it to the Gibbons song number thirty-four. So something else you know now, and it's that was uh, obviously written in uh, eighteen sixty-four by William Boyd. Uh, the hymn is based on uh, that passage we looked at. King James Version of the Paul's, Paul's first epistle to Timothy, chapter 6 and verse 12. And it says there, as we've read, that, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. And so the hymn's lyrics, they urge the listener to, or the reader, to fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on life run the straight race it says doesn't it cast care aside lay all our cares upon the lord jesus christ and on almighty god and it's uh, and faint not to all f- fear it says doesn't it so it's uh, i mean uh, originally this uh, we know timothy doesn't it is he was written to uh, by the Apostle Paul to Timothy who he he actually called his son in the faith and that's, uh, although it wasn't his actual son uh, he wasn't his actual son but uh, he was called that because of his faith I suppose And uh, but again that's, it's like uh, this morning we were talking about the message from Jeremiah this this message is timeless isn't it it's, uh, and it's certainly, it's something we can take on board as we wait for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul um, is very well known. He wrote many letters, didn't he? In the uh, in the New Testament, for which we, you know, the the Apostle obviously witnessed many uh, many things. And uh, one of the things he he he'd seen the brutality of the Roman uh, regime. He's seen how brutal the soldiers were, and and he often had uh, a, a guard, didn't he? And he, and obviously a, a, a Roman guard, and uh, he would have witnessed uh, uh, certain uh, things. And I, of course, he, he mentions a race as well, doesn't he? And he he speaks of uh, certainly. Uh, we've got to run the race many times he, he alludes to this uh the race that is uh we've got to run if we want to be a disciple of the lord jesus christ so it's was there wasn't it uh, it was these uh weapons of war and certainly uh what we had to do to run a race uh he, he alludes; he, he sort of likens it to running the race, a disciple running a, a race of, uh, you know, following the Lord Jesus Christ. He was also witness, I suppose, to the first uh, Olympic Games. It was there in Greece, wasn't it, in the days of the Apostle? And again, he likens that to some of the the training that took place to the. Uh, for these games and these were the uh, Isthmian games they were called in them days the old Olympian Olympic games and of course we know it as the modern uh, uh, Olympic games now don't we so in verse 2 of our uh, uh, hymn it speaks of uh, run the straight race doesn't it through God's good grace and so uh, And we can think of a lot of events, can't we? Uh, I don't know, I was was sort of thinking of the most gruelling of of all, and uh, there's a lot of athlons, triathlons, pentathlons, and they certainly uh, take a lot of stamina, don't they, and a lot of training and the such like. And there are many many types of events, aren't there? Cycling, running, swimming, gymnastics, and... uh, there's all the track events aren't there and you know, all require intense training and uh, and sacrifice uh, I suppose uh, what would we liken our discipleship to be or if we wanted to take on the saving name of the Lord and be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ and and I think uh, more than anything the marathon uh, comes to mind and uh, it's something that uh, something I could never do I could do about 15 miles and then I was the uh, next best thing to dead I think <laughs> it was all but anyway but I don't know whether anybody's actually uh, run a marathon but uh, I can imagine it's a pretty uh, grueling uh, 26.2 miles isn't it and it would require a lot of preparation wouldn't it uh, patience and hard work and he or she needs to get their body in shape. Um, uh, when, he, when, a body they, uh, when a person gets their body in shape, it means that they have to refrain from certain things, eating certain foods that are not good for them, and they need to exercise as often as they can, every single day, perhaps, and even during the times they don't feel like it. And it's uh, they need to pre- prepare and, uh, in order to run the race. And during the race, the runner needs to have a lot of strength, stamina, and power to keep from getting weary and to be able to stay in the race until the till the end. And by training their bodies and minds, they'll they will be able to succeed. And uh, uh, when they become tired during the race, perhaps. And when somebody is not fully prepared, tries to run a marathon. Uh, most likely they will uh, they will quit or give up or because their body and mind is not prepared enough to finish the race and, and by quitting or giving up they they won 't receive the prize at the end of uh, the, there's a winner or anybody who finishes the race would receive after crossing the finishing line and that 's what the apostle here is uh, Calling us to do for a, as a in a life in Christ. This is what it will be. We we've got to prepare ourselves, and we'll experience bad times and some good times, and and like a marathon runner, we need to be in uh, spiritual shape. That's what we were talking about this morning through Jeremiah and, and the prophets, and throughout Scripture, we've got to be in good spiritual shape, and by following the Lord Jesus Christ too, we can. Uh, we can prepare uh, our lives for the hard work that lies ahead it's the apostle isn't it Uh, again he tells us that there is a great prize that awaits everyone who finishes this race and we need to run that uh, the uh, this uh, the race of life to uh, of faith as well to win The Lord Jesus Christ says in Matthew 16, he says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross and follow me. So as we've said, preparing for a marathon is hard work. We, we need to deny ourselves, uh, we would need to deny ourselves a lot of uh, things uh, that we might have enjoyed, enjoyed in, the past, in the past. And as we know, it can be really tough so we need to turn away when perhaps temptations arrive, arise we need to deny ourselves so that we can finish the race and we know also it will be very difficult at times That, uh, but through the Lord Jesus Christ he can help us through and we can overcome and that's the invitation from scripture of the Lord Jesus Christ and Almighty God because he's not um, willing that any should perish And verse 1 it's there straight into it isn't it and Christ is thy strength and Christ thy right lay hold on life and it shall be thy joy and crown eternally and and that's it at the end of it that's the prize that the apostle uh, speaks of it's eternal life that the almighty, almighty God will give us if we follow him in the right way and verse 2 there again it says lift up thine eyes and seek Christ's face life with its way before us lies and uh, Christ is the path and, and Christ the, the prize and again there it speaks of the prize cast care aside verse 3 lean on thy guide God's boundless mercy will provide he will uh, help us in uh, times of need so if we want to be a disciple of the lord jesus christ in our race uh, uh, as a disciple uh, we're looking to that finish line aren't we we want to finish and receive the the prize or the reward that god has promised through the pages of his scriptures we need to deny ourselves as our lord says and say no to our fleshly desires to make sure we are free from all the junk that this world has to offer We must follow our our example, the Lord Jesus Christ, so that we can finish as a winner. So what's the reward? To win a race, we've we've learned it takes hard work, self-denial, a lot of exercise and preparation. Those who win the race don't watch the race from the grandstand, nor do they just jog a couple of laps each morning. They must first be in the race, that's the first thing and train their bodies and mind for what lies ahead of them and at times we we feel uh, that we might want to give up or that we must uh, but we must continue mustn't we to press on towards the goal of being a winner and finishing the race and in our lives uh, there is a reward waiting for us also and it's uh, Paul tells us in Corinthians chapter nine that that we need to run the race of faith to receive an everlasting crown. And running the, the race of faith takes discipline and diligence. And we, well, again, we run the risk of getting distracted with all the world that this, this has to offer uh, has to offer. And we, we might feel like giving up, as we've said. And we, re- we uh, need to look, as the hymn says, we need to look to our, our guide, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it, uh, he is greater than uh, anything that this world has to, uh, has to throw at us. Uh, Philippians, again, Paul writes to the Philippians, uh, chapter 4, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we in this race, we need strength, and a lot of it. And we can find all the strength we need in the Lord Jesus Christ. So only our Bible study and our worship and prayer will get us ready for the race ahead. And remember when you are faced with discouragement and difficulty to focus on the one in front of you it's said let's look to the Lord Jesus Christ as we've said. So our topic then is uh, fight the good fight um, with all thy might. It says uh, to fight a good fight. The apostle has more to say on this. Uh, well, if we look at uh, Ephesians first, and uh, Ephesians chapter six, there's some good uh, advice from the law uh, from the apostle there. Uh, So Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, says uh, Paul here, writing to the Ephesians, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armour of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, and this is it, isn't it? Uh, Verse 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armour of God, that ye may be able to uh, withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, for all saints so within that uh, scripture then there's made up the following items we notice the belt of truth the breastplate of righteousness the shoes of the gospel the shield of faith the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit and, and a list uh, is there isn't it of the uh, the full armor of god that is It's actually interesting if you look at the uh the statement to be found with the uh of the British Army Hold. Oh, it's uh, anyway, I'll read on to it says in the introduction of uh, all the well there's about thirty three different uh sections on the, you know, there's like discipline and uh courage and uh all that sort of thing for the if you wanted to join uh, certainly the British Army um, it says uh, well, it says in the introduction the reputation of the British Army is extremely high. This tradition of excellence and the public support it engenders depends in large uh, in large part on the operational effectiveness of the army that results from the high standards of professionalism individual behaviour and self-discipline of the British soldier, both on and off operations. These qualities cannot be taken for granted and are only possible if they are underpinned by a robust and clearly understood framework of values and standards. It requires all of us to understand and live by them and for all commanders, from the most senior to the most junior, to show... Uh, emphatic leadership and if, if you read through this it would be interesting if you've you got some time just have a look at some of them anyway uh, uh, and line it up with uh, what the Apostle Paul is asking here uh, for a disciple uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ um, let's have a look at uh, uh, courage, this is uh, one that stands out. Um, well, it's, uh, yeah, the first sentence is not. Uh, all soldiers must be prepared to use lethal force to fight, to take the lives of others, but that's, uh, you know. Uh, they may, may need to show restraint, even when doing so involves personal danger. Um, moral courage is equally impor- important. That is the courage to do what is right, even when it may be unpopular, or risk ridicule or danger, um, and to insist on maintaining the highest standards of decency and behaviour at all times. So it's, it's uh, it, there's there's echoes of what the apostle is is looking for here in in, in all of this. You know, it's uh, it's uh, it's certainly. Uh, there for us to read, if, uh, but that's the uh, if you want to join the army of uh, the British Army, anyway. But back to our uh, hymn then, and, uh, and the and the scriptures, the Bible often illustrates the life of a disciple as a as a battle of sin uh, against sin and the flesh, and certainly the Lord, Jesus, uh, the Apostle Paul writes about this in so many ways. Uh, the soldier of christ is in a spiritual warfare it says and uh, there's another hymn i don't know whether you're looking at that but 355 soldiers of christ arise and put your armor on it's uh, it's speaking of uh, the passage we've read in uh, the ephesians chapter six uh, chapter six Uh, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 it says we do not wrestle against uh, flesh and blood Um, it gives a list there doesn't it Uh, but uh, but against principalities against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in in high places but the apostle there he he encourages us to put on the whole armour of God that uh, we might withstand all these things Paul lists six articles as we've said and uh, only three of these can be described as uh, armour the shield, the helmet and the sword the remainder are articles of clothing the girdle, the breastplate and the shoes which are certainly there, we can look back into the Old Testament for, at, uh, at, uh, there for these those three things but what about the soldier's uh, uniform the soldier of Christ, there are three essential items of apparel uh, which we must have already put on, the girdle, the breastplate and the shoes um, uh, that's before we can take up the three pieces of armour, the shield, the uh, the helmet and the sword and I think that's what the Apostle Paul was alluding to because I would imagine the, the guard the soldier who was a guard for him would only have he'd have the girdle, the breastplate and the shoes on all the time but his uh, the, the armour the shield and the helmet would be there at hand just in case he needed it uh, verse 14 of uh, Ephesians six, it speaks uh, having your uh, says having your loins girded about with truth. Uh, the object of the girdle is to to bind together the loose clothing, to to make a man ready for action. The loose flowing garments are um, um, they certainly uh, well in the certainly in the Eastern com- countries, and certainly in the Apostle Paul's day. They would be a problem, wouldn't they? They would be flowing uh, garments, but they needed them to be secured, don't they? So the gird, so that to gird up the loins was to become ready for action. In a military stent, uh, sense, the girdle was also necessary as a support for the uh, scabbard uh, holding the sword, uh, and hence the expression uh, "gird on thy sword." The girdle is is truth in a spiritual sense. and Here's an obvious allusion to the words of uh, Isaiah, uh, which he describes the Lord Jesus Christ as girded about. He says in chapter 11 of Isaiah, And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. So here is a picture from this verse uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ who described himself as the truth. The truth is the same for all of us. It is part of our uniform and because it completely encircles us we we are confined within it. Uh, to be girded um, with truth is an act of obedience it involves the submission of our will to the will of our, our heavenly father verse 14 uh, also mentions the breastplate the soldier's breastplate was often a coat of mail uh, with overlapping metal plates provided which provide uh, provided a protection for the body it was also used as a garment of the high priest uh, in the tabernacle wasn't it the purpose of the garment is the same in both cases it's it's a covering it's, it's uh, it has a meaning of righteousness and again uh, isaiah has something to say on this it's an old testament figure isaiah 59 he says there and he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor therefore his arm brought salvation unto him and his righteousness it sustained him for he put on righteousness as a breastplate. Clearly then this is a garment provided by God. As that of a, that of a, a soldier is by, uh, by the army. And again it's an item of uniform. It's provided for us by the re- redeeming power of almighty God and elsewhere again the apostle Paul extends the figure by calling it the breastplate of of faith and love the righteousness we receive is by faith its provision in the first place was an act of love it is the duty of the soldier to keep his uniform in trim slackness or neglect is, is not tolerated uniform inspection is a regular military discipline and there are consequences to the soldier who has neglected neglected to polish his buttons and equally the soldier of, of Christ also needs constantly to attend to the garment of righteousness this breastplate which he has received so that it doesn't become tainted verse 15 uh, speaks of the shoes these are the preparation of the gospel of peace we're told so until the disciple is properly shod the or the, the soldier as well is, uh, the soldier is immobile and the shoes he, he gets to are, are not his own cho- choice of shoes uh, a recruit who p- appears on the parade in, in, in his own shoes rather than the army boots provided for him would not only be reprimanded but more important would not be able to endure the marching once again the, uh, the prophet has something to say on this prophet Isaiah Isaiah 52 uh, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings that publisheth peace and bringeth good tidings of good that publisheth salvation and Paul expands the apostle says uh, on this idea when he, he associates it with the preaching of the gospel how shall they hear without a preacher how shall they preach except they be uh, sent and as, it's, as we've said and as it is written how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace here again the gospel is one we have all received the same message and that message is we should preach to others if they listen, there is no other gospel, this is it, this is the only one, our own ideas of what constitutes the gospel will not do at all we must wear the uniform provided And so with these three essential uh, items—the truth, the righteousness, and the gospel—they're provided equally for all. The, um, the disciple is now in a position of readiness. Stand, therefore, says Paul. Put on the whole armour of God, that ye may be able to stand. The soldier is never permitted to sit down while on duty. He may stand to attention, stand easy or stand at ease. But in each case he's ready for immediate action. And so it should be with the soldier of Christ. The Apostle Peter in his first letter, chapter 3, says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear the soldier's armour as we've said is not worn all the time it is only taken up when needed no soldier is in constant warfare although when, it, when the call comes he must be instantly ready with all his equipment in order and Paul in Ephesians chapter six he lists these as the shield, the helmet, and the sword. Verse sixteen speaks of the sword. Uh, the shield, sorry. There were two sorts of shield in common use: the target or or buckler, as it was called. It was a small round shield designed to protect the wearer from the spear or the sword, to deflect the blow. It was made of metal. But Paul alludes to the body shield, large enough to protect the whole of the body and intended as a defence against arrows. It was usually a wooden framework covered in leather, light enough to be handled, but adequate to absorb the impact of arrows. Even if they partially penetrated it, Paul says that the shield is intended to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. This shield is faith. The soldier of Christ must expect to be shot at, but is not equipped to shoot back. He carries neither bow nor arrows. It's Jeremiah who tells us the meaning of the arrows. Uh, chapter 9 he says their tongue is an arrow shot out it speaketh deceit the conflict for the soldier in Christ is often a, a verbal one the arrows of the enemy are words and they are quenched by the shield of faith Psalm 91 says thou shalt not be afraid for the for the terror by night nor for the arrow that flieth by day Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. The soldier must keep his equipment in good condition. What does it say in the word? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Verse 17 of Ephesians uh, 6 speaks of the helmet. And in the passage from Isaiah, we read the helmet is associated with the breastplate. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a an helmet of salvation upon his head. This refers to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. But the same protection also is offered to the soldier of Christ. This is a salvation yet to be realized. In another place the Apostle Paul refers to the helmet as the the hope of salvation. Of all the items of equipment, it is the helmet which distinguishes the soldier from the civilian. Any uniformed official is recognised by his helmet or other headgear. This marks out the man for what he is and is a sign of his authority. And so it is with the soldier of Christ. He is recognised by the hope which he is his. Displaying for all to see. It is this which dis- distinguishes him from the crowd. And gives him his standing. As a soldier enrolled in the ranks of the Lord Jesus Christ. By whom the salvation is provided. The same salvation is offered to all. verse 17 speaks of the sword here is the only weapon which could possibly be used in self-defence or even offensively it is a weapon which must be used with extreme care and could be very dangerous in the the hand of the untrained swordsmanship is not a simple art particularly with this kind of sword for we told from scripture it is very keen and double-edged. Hebrews 4 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The two-edged sword cuts both ways, within and without. The word is a discerner or a critic of the thoughts and intents not of the enemy but also of the soldier himself those who wield the sword must take care that they do not cut themselves with it in verses 11 and 12 it speaks of the enemy doesn't it so equipped and armed the soldier is now ready to fight But who is the enemy? Paul here defines them as principalities and powers. The rulers of darkness in this world. These are the enemies which the Lord Jesus Christ himself overcame. When he became obedient unto the death of the cross. They are there in our own sinful natures. And they need to be subdued. And the only weapon we can use is that provided, the Word of God, which itself is able to overcome all enemies, even as the Lord Jesus Himself overcame. What about the soldier's orders? No soldier acts without orders. The initiative is not left to him, but always comes from a higher command. So it is with the disciple of Christ. This warfare, whereas, warfare as we've said, is spiritual, as are the weapons. Second Corinthians 10 says, "For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that, that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God." and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So on receipt of the appropriate order the soldier is required to present arms and so are we. Romans 6 says Neither present your members unto sin as weapons of unrighteousness but present yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as weapons of righteousness unto God before we can put on the armour of God we must destroy our old clothing let us therefore Paul says to the Romans again cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armour of light and these instructions apply to the whole army but the battle is for each individual. And the apostle gave this advice to Timothy, which we've read. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold, hold on eternal life. And I give you charge, he says to uh, Timothy, is the language of the officer issuing his orders. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee that thou by them might as war a good warfare the fight for the disciple is not an easy one and hard times must be expected again to Timothy in 2nd Timothy chapter 2 he gives, gives this advice thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ No man that warreth entangleth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Success in battle brings recognition and honours. The soldier who succeeds is decorated. So also is the soldier of Christ but not with medals and ribbons Paul finished his battle and won his fight and he knew that the day would come when his helmet would be removed and replaced by the promised crown the hope of salvation giving place to a crown of righteousness and this is the hope of all who take, take on the whole armour of God I have fought a good fight he says I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them that love is appearing. And so, as our hymn says, fight the good fight with all thy might. Christ is thy strength and Christ thy right Lay hold on life and it shall be thy joy And crown eternally Run the straight race through God's good grace Lift up thine eyes and seek Christ's face Life with its way before us lies Christ is the path and Christ the prize Cast care aside, lean on thy guide God's boundless mercy will provide. Trust, and thy trusting soul shall prove, Christ is its life and Christ its love. Faint not nor fear, God's arms are near. God changeth not and thou art dear. Only believe and thou shalt see that Christ is all in all to thee. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, videos, information about what we believe and details of our meeting times, go to our website